You don't get it, son. This isn't a mud hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. in broad daylight. I know why you're afraid to go out at night. The Batman. See, Batman had shown Gotham the true colors. Citizens of Gotham to the Eternal Night, a podcast dedicated to the world's greatest detective, the Dark Knight of the DC Universe, Batman. As you all know, I am one of your hosts. My name is Philip Barker, and I am joined once again by my heroic co-host, Mr. Craig Blaylock. Craig, my guy, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. I'm excited about this episode. This oh. is one that uh, ever since you came up with the idea, I've been like, yes, we need to do this. Well, you know, our last one, we did this kind of for, for animated film. Well, not really, but like we... we shot the idea of like what what stories we'd like to see turned into animation i was like well what can we follow this up with and i was like you know yeah there are a couple batman movies i've had rolling around in my head for a while that i just love to like get off my chest and talk about but yeah yep. like and i was like you know craig do you want to like pitch some batman movies that was hell yes <laughs> now before we do get into that I would, I would just also like to let everyone know feel free to follow us on uh the platform formerly known as twitter at tek underscore podcast x that's right it's x now ah, ha, ha, ha. or if you guys want to drop us an email turn the light pod at gmail.com feel free to follow us on facebook as well we're also on instagram i don't think we have a threads account i don't know i'm trying to figure out how to get the show on threads because it, the show's tied to my instagram account because i just switch profiles but my threads account is tied to my instagram account so i'm just like shouldn't it work both ways yeah, one would think. Yeah, one would think, but I don't know. I'm, I'm probably going to have to wind up making another one for Threads, so keep an eye out for that. We'll probably have that there. But speaking of Instagram, uh, I have a bit of an exclusive, kind of, oh, sort of. Time, to, time to dish. Time to, <laughs> time to, what's the word here? Gloat, I guess, would be the right mm. word, maybe? I don't, I don't know. Like, so... This was Monday, as of this recording. We're recording on Thursday, October 5th. And funny enough, two years from yesterday will be the release date of The Batman Part 2, which I know we are all excited for. Yeah. 100%. Matter of fact, I actually just saw that um, there's a rumor from this scooper that I'm not a fan of pointing, trying to say that Hush might be the antagonist for The Batman Part 2. And... Well, if you've seen the Batman Part 1, 
some obvious bait there that could lead to mm-hmm. that assumption, right? Yeah, I can see that. Sure, right. I could too. That's why it's really easy to make a BS scoop out of it. Yeah. Superbly easy. Now, anyone who's anyone remembers before The Dark Knight Rises started filming, there were heavy, heavy rumors of the Penguin and the Riddler showing up as the main antagonist, and then look what happened. Bane and Catwoman. Yeah. Right? Yep. Now, looking at the Batman Part 1, I'm like, well, you had Catwoman, Penguin, Riddler, a little bit of Joker, Carmine Falcone. The Penguin Show is introducing the extended family of Carmine Falcone. Mm, now, if you look see at Maroney, right? Exactly. We're also going to see Maroney for in the form of Clancy Brown, phenomenal actor, right? Yep. But b- the question begs: How many other villains are going to show up in the Batman Part Two, right? And yeah. if Matt Reeves is the Batman '66 fan that I believe he is, sure, you could include Hush. I'm sure. But uh, they were very tight-lipped. The cast and crew were asked, you know, who could you follow up with sequels? And I think it might have been Pattinson or even Reeves. I know Reeves for sure mentioned Mr. Freeze, that he'd love to do Mr. Freeze. And then I think Pattinson, like, let it, not necessarily let it slip, but he alluded the idea that maybe the Court of Owls. So this whole idea of Hush, I'm like, yeah, that's neat. I didn't see any one of them talk about Hush, though. (laughs) So I I don't know. I'm, I'm of the mind that, if it's coming from a scooper, like Jeff Snyder, or Grace Randolph, or any other one that just puts out bullshit, I don't put any stock into it. I'm going to wait for an official word from Warner Brothers or a more official trade like The Hollywood Reporter, or even to a lesser extent, Variety, or even Matt Reeves himself. I, it, I'm, I'm, I've seen so much of this nonsense in the last 10, 15 years where I'm like, yeah, no, I, yeah. I, wait, I wait for the official word now. This is, I, I don't play this game. This is, this is ridiculous. But, but. As I mentioned earlier on Instagram, and this was about Monday. I was kind of half-half doing my job, half-half not, because I'm wait- I was waiting on parts. And I had seen that James Gunn had posted a video of John Cena. Anyone who's paying attention to the DCU, DCU, whatever, uh, John Cena plays the character of Peacemaker, and they shared a behind-the-scenes video of John Cena playing the piano, which, you know, cool, whatever. I'm not big on Peacemaker. Everyone who's listened to me talk either here or on the Four Nerds, you know, <laughs> stuff really isn't my bag, nor Craig's. But yep. I asked the question to Gunn on, on Instagram. I said, how is that even going to work continuity-wise? Because he is writing Peacemaker Season 2. And, well, the first season is smack dead. And my, my exact wording was, how is that going to even work continuity wise considering season one is smack dab in the dceu and it's on good authority no pun intended that that season two is going to take place in his newly formed dc universe so i I asked him the question like how how is that going to work continuity wise luckily enough james gunn actually responded to me now this is not the first time he's actually responded to anything i've said to him but funny enough like i've asked him questions on twitter silence i'll ask him a question on instagram every now and again he'll answer me just cool and he's Hmm. the exact thing he said was you'll see in the show so he's clarifying that in some fashion or another i would imagine that we are going to get an address of how the continuity shift goes from dceu to the dcu and i was like oh okay cool yeah one would hope (laughs) so how obviously the gloating aside how how what what was your initial thought to seeing that that kind of confirmation if you don't mind me asking um, it's still just, I appreciate the fact that it looks like they're going to address it, but it's still just like, I hate the 
vagueness to it. Sure. I just it it to me it's like, dude, you you have plans, and I get it. You want us to wait to see like this stuff flesh out, but you've also got a lot of people who have been disenfranchised with everything that's been going on, especially after the Flash. Right, and obviously there were a lot of really unhappy fans at the idea of having a new Superman, a new Lois Lane, yep. and there's there's just there's a lot of baggage. And honestly, I think, you know the way I feel about certain creative decisions from him aside, I do think that, that he's got quite the uphill battle going. Oh, very him, much so. Given the nature of things at Warner brothers in DC right now. And, you know, Superman legacy really does need to be, I wouldn't say a billion dollar hit, but it needs, it, it really does need to, to resonate with the general audience. Yeah. And, you know, it's got a cast of DC characters in it. They still haven't revealed who the villain is, which I'm sure once the SAG after strike ends we're probably going to get that that casting of who the the main antagonist is going to be and i also wouldn't be shocked to see a new version of lex luthor show up in this too oh but don't forget the most important question who is going to be jimmy olsen because god forbid if jimmy olsen isn't in this you know (laughs) i could I, i could see james gunn doing a whole you know my adventures was, oh, not my adventure Superman. Sorry, that's the TV show. Uh, the the whole old school comic of like you know uh, the Jimmy Olsen one where Jimmy Olsen gets turned into a giant monster by Mister Mixpix. <laughs> like I, I could see him doing that because that that's kind of in his wheelhouse. He's he's quirky in that way, right? Like it, it's totally plausible. But you know, remains to be seen. Obviously, you know, I'm I'm sure he even said Jimmy Olsen's gonna like show up. So doesn't shock me there. Or does he pull an injustice and you know? introduces jimmy olsen and then just blasts him in the face i think after batman versus superman i think that's something he is not gonna do at all <laughs> not one bit no um and, and you know to be fair and of all the flaws in the injustice movie they got that part right yeah <laughs> which kevin pollack does a pretty solid joker voice come to think of it it was a very different kind of joker but it was appreciated yeah, I kind of like an uh, he kind of came across like an older Joker to think, me in that, that movie. That, I think that might have been the intent, personally. Because even like his the way they drew him, he just he looks older. Honestly, I'm very curious to see what the reaction will be to when they finally getting around to casting Batman. Yeah, for Brave and the Bold, I'm very very curious to see that reaction because obviously. You know, Ben Affleck had a pretty polarizing reaction. Uh, Robert Pattinson absolutely had a very polarizing reaction. Yeah. Um, Christian Bale, I think, probably had the least most polarizing. But then again, he was also coming off of the, the, the Machinist. Yeah. I believe. So. Yep. No, that was his last film, I think, before Batman Begins was yeah. The Machinist. Yeah. Because that was the whole thing. Like, that was the big thing was that he was, like, so skinny for The Machinist. And right. then he bulked up for Batman. And then he bulked up even more for dark knight and dark knight rises yeah <laughs> which I, I appreciated you know after seeing all three of those movies in the theater back to back to back which was just an amazing experience might i add but yeah. you know i was watching uh i'm doing a spookathon for halloween because we are now in the month of october um i kicked it oh what shit, shit what did i kick off spooktober with um damn what was my spooktober number one i'm gonna have to look it up now hold on one second everybody because i know what my number two three and four were I remember you you said something about I I know I saw your stuff about the oh. it chapter one and two. So I watched Alien, Ridley Scott's Alien, 
Okay. And then my number two was the Dawn of the Dead remake from Zack Snyder. And then night before last, I watched It Chapter 1 from Muschietti, and then I watched It Chapter 2 last night. Now, I'm not one to, to like, throw out fan castings. I just really want to see what, you know, the creators have up their sleeve and who they see as, you know, Batman, Superman, whoever. But, man, I got to tell you, after watching It Chapter 2 more than once, because I really do like that movie, I think, honestly, if I had to pick what my favorite movie from Andy Muschietti is, it's it's a really tough tie between it chapter one and two, but I'm going to give chapter two the edge because mm-hmm. I do think that all the adults were just pristinely perfectly cast. It is kind of amazing how perfect that casting was from the child actors to the adult actors. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Even, you know, the kid, the kid from stranger things like, all right, fine. Good. Richie Tozier, like really solid Richie Tozier, but getting Bill Hader as adult yeah. Richie, that was pitch perfect absolutely perfect casting right there and then uh mccavoy james mccavoy as elder Mm -hmm. bill i was like yeah that's great that's beautiful and i i i also really love that when the movie opens up after you know you get the the killing from pennywise it shifts from from mike to bill's point of view and bill's writing a movie wait for it on a warner brothers lot i was like "Ah, (laughs) fourth wall breaks gotta love it (laughs) gotta love it oh my god that was just love that really really did love that the main the main thing i'm getting at here is there's one actor in that movie specifically chapter two that i think would make an excellent batman and that is jay ryan who plays older ben hanscom Oh, yeah. I yeah. can see that. Yeah, and, and like my reasoning for this is, number one, dude got ripped for the role, so he looks like he's in shape. He's six foot one. He's got the chin. But more so specifically, when we see Ben Hanscom in that movie, he's a lead architect. And you when you see him in the film, he's surrounded by a bunch of people, and he's in a, like a, a penthouse or like a, you know, kind of a mansion-looking setting, and he's talking to this board of people, and it's like, dude this is bruce wayne yeah totally i can see that like straight up like dude looks just like bruce f and wayne and i'm like yeah i i am here for this like if in the event this fan cast were come true i'd just jump for joy but hey since i put it into the world it's probably not gonna happen (laughs) but you know there's rapport there with annie muschietti and i i feel like if gun got to cast for superman i would certainly hope and i would imagine that they were he's probably going to have some insight onto casting batman but i would certainly hope he leaves the ultimate choice up to Andy Muschietti. yeah i think we talked about it before when all this stuff was coming out about james gunn is i do think while i'm not a huge fan of his work you know it, it has its ups and downs in my opinion agreed i do think by him coming in and taking on this new role i think he is one of those people i think he will respect the director's vision i think he will have some say in there and he'll i'm sure he'll throw in his opinions to them but i just i feel like since he already has a directing background Mm -hmm. he'll show that respect to the directors and allow them to do the films that they want to do i would certainly hope so and honestly after being one of the few directors to get carte blanche on their film i would really hope that he gives those directors the same freedom that he was allowed and it sounds like that's going to be the case i'd certainly hope that is 
but obviously he is in, in, a, in a similar role that, that Kevin Feige is. So obviously he's going to have to, I don't want to say dictate, but you know, he's probably got some ground rules for how the tone of that universe is going to be. And I am not, I'm not completely expecting like humor jokes, the whole nine with every single project, but you'd have to imagine with say characters like, you know, booster gold, which is getting his own show. And uh, obviously peacemaker season two, maybe a little bit with Waller, but I, I don't see that happening considering Jeremy Carver is executive producing that. And he did doom, doom patrol and doom patrol is one of the more serious shows on DC side. So I, I have a lot of high hopes for Amanda Waller. Um, but really like, I think his humorous stamp, I would certainly hope, is dialed back to, to the projects that would require it. Yeah, I think I think what you just said there, I think it's going to have a very kind of Doom Patrol approach. I think there will be humor in there, but there there is going to be a tone of seriousness to these projects. I mean, again, fingers crossed, hopefully. And, you know, we're talking about James Gunn, the man made Slither, and that's a very, you know, mm. it's, it's it's got its moments, but it's... A, pretty dark movie all things considered yeah he also yeah, uh, very much so produced the belco experiment another very dark film he produced uh brightburn that really evil take on superman for a really low budget so that also tells me that i think with him in charge him and saffron i think that the budgets for these films you'd have to imagine they can't exceed more than 200 million dollars yeah no and even in like superman's case i do think you do need kind of a, a bigger budget but the fact that they made a bright burn film which is centered around a like you know essentially a kid evil version of superman for like less than six million dollars it's like look if they can do that with that you can make a superman movie under 200 million dollars it's not out of the realm of possibility yeah. and then yeah we, exactly you know we've even talked about Musietti's batman you know the brave and the bold introducing damian wayne as robin it's like you know i can see that film getting to at least a 200 million dollar budget at best if it goes that far depending on what kind of characters are bound to show up in it. Obviously, since Damien is the Robin, you're kind of obligated to introduce Ra's al Ghul and Talia, so. Yeah, the second we learned that uh, Damien was going to be in this, you immediately know, okay, well, we're going to see Ra's and we're going to see Talia at some point. It's kind of a given. The League of, Shad the League of Shadows are going to make their way in there somewhere. I'm curious if it'll be the League of Shadows or League of Assassins. Yeah, very true. I think since they did League of Shadows in Nolan's films, maybe they do go in the opposite direction and they keep it League of Assassins. Especially, well, yeah, especially since Damien's in there. You know, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite Easter eggs from Zack Snyder's Justice League is if you pay close enough attention to Deathstroke's katana, he's got a League of Assassins logo on it. Does he? Yes. Yes, oh, he okay. does. Yes. That is, without question, one of my favorite Easter eggs in the entirety of Zack Snyder's trilogy. Also, because Joe Manganiello looks straight up like Slade Wilson, dude. He really does. And I am just sad that Gareth Evans did not get to do his Raid-inspired Deathstroke film. Like, that, that, yep. like how it amazes me that WB, because obviously they were in charge at the time before DC Studios got its new minted silo of its own corner at wb like it, it amazes me that they look at projects like that that would require a third of the budget that they've made these films on and they're like nah it's like you 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 people are just not smart yep like you have you have one of the most 
prominent characters in DC and you have a director coming to you like, yeah, I can make this for this amount of money. And they're like, mm, nah, let's do Peacemaker instead. I'm like, God damn it. Uh, it's like I was, I was talking to a friend earlier tonight and I told her, uh, I told her about our episode where we went over the storyboards for the Justice League films. And it's just, it's, a, it's one of those things, man. You just look at it and you go, man, what this could have been to see this on the big screen. So I don't know if you know this, but Zack Snyder apparently has two whiteboards that are more finalized that people have not seen. Ah, really? Like they are updated with, I would imagine, certain changes given what happened in Zack Snyder's Justice League because, you know, those storyboards established that the child that Lois Lane is carrying is not Superman's. Whereas mm -hmm. in, in the film, in the final film that we saw, it pretty much leads to the idea that the child is his. So yeah. I would imagine that there might have been some altering there in, in regards to that plot point. But as far as everything else, I have absolutely zero clue. Mm. And you know what? I still kick myself in the ass for not asking him when I had the chance. I, I wish I would have asked him. <laughs> The question I could, if I could ask Zack Snyder, would be, did Robin die in Wayne Manor? Yeah. Because Wayne Manor is charred and burnt to shit. Robin's suit is charred and burnt to shit. Did Robin die protecting Wayne Manor? That's, yeah. that, that would, that would, that's, I think that's like the most direct way I could probably say it. And, and honestly, you know, he said, some at some extent we would have found out what happened to robin in in part two of of his justice league saga yeah and i'm also just giddy over the moon that he was gonna have reverse flash at be the capper for a flash trilogy and he was the one yeah. pulling all the strings i'm just uh, like oh, oh what could have been what could have been but speaking of pitches Shall we get into the meat of what we're here to talk about tonight, my friend? Yeah, I think so. This is going to be exciting. This is going to be very exciting. Now, as anyone knows who's listened to this show, you all know that Craig and I do not at all talk about what we, if we come up with lists, if we come up with, like, you know, ideas, if we're going to make lists or make rankings, or if we're going to do something like this, we don't at all reveal what we talk about until we record. Yep. So... I have four, but one's an honorable mention, so it's not really part of my three. And Craig has three that he has finalized. We have three pitches in total that we're going to talk about here. And I'm very, very excited to see what Craig has come up with, and I'm sure it's vice versa on his end for what I have to come up with. Oh, yeah. Now, we tried to get a good friend of ours, uh, Mr. Travis. Oh, man, what is Travis's last name? I'm blanking on that right now. Sorry, buddy. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I feel really bad because I, I, there's there's two Travises on the Geek Ultimate Alliance network, and there's Travis Snell, and then there's our other friend Travis who runs the Animation Nation. And we tried, to, but, you know, schedules just did not work out. They are actually recording their episode right now of DC Alliance. So uh, be on the lookout for that. But, yeah, we, we tried to get a, three, a third chair here, but, you know, unfortunately timing just did not work out for that. Um. But should I just give my honorable mention right now? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so this one's the reason it's an honorable mention number 1 is because it's probably never ever ever going to happen. And the title of my honorable mention, I think Craig might actually shit his pants once he hears it. <laughs> Christopher Nolan's Batman Beyond. 
Oh, yeah, there we go. So, I came up with this, because I have ideas for a Batman Beyond movie, and this one is is just something I was like, you know, this would be a fun one. If, he, if, if in the event Christopher Nolan ever came back, if I was in a position to produce a Batman movie, and, you know, and there was an opportunity where Christopher Nolan was like, you know, I kind of want to revisit Batman. I would shoot him this idea, and he probably he'd probably be like, eh, maybe. But in the event he said yes to this pitch, the pitch I have is this: Bruce Wayne returns home to Gotham City roughly thirty or so years after the events of The Dark Knight Rises. He's around 65, 70 years old after the passing of his wife Selina Kyle, and Wayne Manor is no longer a boy's home as Derek Powers has taken over Wayne Enterprises and forged Wayne Powers International. Robin John Blake, the successor to the Batman legacy, is found deceased with a riddle attached to his corpse. Terry McGinnis, a young man in Gotham City, has grown jaded, angry after the death of his father Warren. While out with his girlfriend one evening, McGinnis comes across the Jokers. A gang inspired by the chaotic figure who played Gotham years ago, but never live up to the legacy of the original who brought Gotham to its knees. A bike chase leads them to Wayne Manor. Terry begins to fight them, but is quickly outmatched. Wayne comes out and intervenes. Now, obviously, this is very much riffing on Rebirth, the two-parter from Batman Beyond, because that's... To me, if you're going to do Batman Beyond, if you're going to do a movie, you kind of have to use that that hour-long two-parter as the basis right yeah so and here's where things start to become a little different so terry and wayne take out the joker crew only for bruce to succumb to his age and brittle body because obviously even by the end of the dark knight rises like he is broken and beaten scarred right now here's where things get really different so he requests terry take him down into the cave the only place where he feels whole And Bruce is pretty quick to trust this young man after witnessing his father's funeral on a televised broadcast as his father was a major force at Wayne Powers. And Bruce wants answers to what Powers is really using his company for. Meanwhile, another riddle is found left on another dead body, this time belonging to the commissioner of police, Ellen Yindel. Now that's a nod to Dark Knight Returns. And Bruce then instructs Terry to meet with Luke Fox, the son of the late Lucius Fox, whom, in my mind, if I had to really pick a a casting for this, probably John David Washington. That's my pick for Luke Fox. Mm, Okay. And he is the current CEO slash R&D developer of Fox Tech. Luke is well aware of the history between his father and Mr. Wayne and decides to help Terry create a brand new Batsuit. Batman returns to Gotham City, and obviously the suit would look very much... I would honestly take a bit of a Batman Arkham City feel to it, or maybe even an Arkham Knight feel, where it's Batman Beyond, but it's a little more armored, it's a little bit more kind of military, a little bit more Kevlar like the Dark Knight the Dark Knight suit was. Like, that That to me is, like, you know, a perfect marriage of the two. Yeah, I think if, if Nolan were to do a Batman Beyond, it would have to have that kind of armor element to it. That's not to say that maybe a sleeker design could be introduced at the end of the movie. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. But decides to help him create this bat suit and Batman returns. After doing some detective work, Terry finds out that Powers has hired a failed investor, Coleman Reese, who now mm. goes by Mr. E, to yep. kill the second Batman and commissioner to keep them off his trail for what he is utilizing Wayne Powers for. A nerve gas that can wipe out armies within days, if not hours. Terry confronts Powers atop 
Wayne Tower as Batman. Before attempting to land a killing blow, Bruce pleads with Terry to not go down that path. His father wouldn't have wanted that. And in a split-second decision, Terry flies away, fires off a battering at one of the canisters, causing powers to be exposed to the gas. Batman returns, or sorry, Bruce returns as CEO of Wayne Powers, renames it Wayne Enterprises, and keeps Terry on as his confidant. Together, they vow to keep Gotham safe from the likes of people like Powers and Mr. E, who escaped before Terry could apprehend him. Now, in like a last shot, maybe a post credit sequence, Powers wakes up in a lab, radioactive, Blight is born, vowing revenge on both Bruce Wayne and the new Batman. Nice. Now, obviously, Blight is very well aware that Bruce Wayne was Batman. So I'd ima- I would have to probably write in somewhere in there where the suit shows up kind of Iron Man style. And it's just that suit. And they have it, like, standing next to Terry and Bruce. That way the public goes, okay, no, neither one of them can be Batman because Batman's right here. A little murky, but, you know, that's that's kind of... That's kind of what I... If in the event, if I anyone could wrangle Christopher Nolan back and maybe get him to do a Batman Beyond, because I think I've even said it on this show and other places, like, if, if Nolan ever came back, I feel like Batman Beyond would be a nice playground for him to play in. Yeah, for sure. But yes, that, that is my that is my honorable mention. Yeah, I really like that. I, I, it is one of those things you just think, you know, for us growing up, with the batman beyond show there's so many episodes especially even the like you said that opening two-parter you're just like man what would this look like in live action on the big screen now in a perfect world if i ever did a batman beyond movie i'd have powers be the villain by the end of it like he would be blight and then in a post-credit scene i would tease the return of mr freeze I would do Meltdown as as my part two. Yeah, that would be cool. Mr. Freeze was awesome in Batman Beyond. And then if I really wanted to go that far, I would absolutely cap it with Batman Beyond Return of the Joker in live action. That would be cool. Right? But hey, you know, time is of the essence and I'm not getting any younger, so I may as well get to Hollywood sooner rather than later, right, buddy? Yep. Okay, well, that, that was my honorable mention. I don't think you, you didn't have one, I don't think. I didn't. I, I had so much, uh, so little time to get, like, these three that I worked on that I couldn't even think of an honorable mention, honestly. All good in Gotham, my guy. All good in Gotham. But since I gave an honorable mention, I, if you don't mind, why don't you go ahead and reveal what your third one is? So I guess I'll kind of go along. So yours was a, like, a Nolanverse film. Um, so I'll put my number three here as it was a Nolanverse film. So oh. mine is actually a okay. potential sequel to The Dark Knight. So essentially, in just in this headcanon, again, this is just me shooting stuff out, having shits and giggles type stuff. So for me, in this situation, this is what the sequel to The Dark Knight would have been. Instead of, so Dark Knight Rises... Just etch it out. Hasn't happened in this alternate universe that I'm talking about. Okay, so you're David Gordon grinning at like Halloween. You pretty much. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. And and you look, I so, I, um, I like the Dark Knight Rises, so yeah, go ahead. Yeah. But just for me, like for this story that I came up with to make sense, I would have to have that film not happen. Fair. That's fair. Um so this was something that I, I think I mentioned it during our commentary of the dark knight at some point so you'll kind of i think phil as i describe it yeah you'll kind of get where i'm going here yeah yeah oh yeah so this 
potential film I would call so we have Batman Begins, we have The Dark Knight. This film would be called The Ghost of the Dark Knight. Ooh. So I it's like set in the that. Nolan verse. I like that. Um the way so a lot of mine I didn't do like full out paragraphs. I just did kind of bullet points, so I'll kind of fill in. Mm-hmm. So it's set in the Nolan verse. I would say roughly, let's say this is five, maybe six years after the events of the Dark Knight. So okay. it okay. starts off with Maroni. Oh, Maroni survived his his uh, clash with Two Face in the car. Because remember, you and I talked about that. Remember when we were doing the commentary? Yes. I thought he was dead, and you said, "Well, we never saw him die." Mm-hmm. And you also mentioned that, well, he did shoot the driver and the car flipped and all that, but Two-Face survived. Why couldn't Maroney? So that was one of the things that kind of stuck in my head when I was coming up with this. So Maroney's alive, but he's in therapy. He's in physical therapy. His legs Ooh. are broken. His arms are busted up. He's in just terrible shape. Like he survived the car crash, but he's not doing great. Mm. Um, so the film opens up with him in his in the facility that he's at for physical therapy um a hooded figure appears Mm -hmm. murders maroney oh interesting okay yeah a nurse comes by finds maroney's dead body sees the figure jump out she goes oh my god batman just killed maroney word starts spreading that Batman has murdered Maroney. So at this time, John Blake, as we know, Robin from The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, again, I had to kind of twist things around. So like they introduced him in The Dark Knight Rises. In this kind of setting, I had to bring him in now. So it this would kind of all make sense. John Blake is investigating the death of Maroney. So, he's so while already... he's investigating it. So if you don't mind me asking, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. So he's already yeah. Detective yeah, yeah. John Blake. Okay, okay. He's already a detective, yeah. Again, I had to kind of tweak things to kind of make this all make sense. So um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's John Blake is investigating Maroney's death. Uh, he he doesn't believe that, that Batman did it, obviously, because he believes that Batman is a symbol of hope for Gotham. Right. Um, let's see. He ends up, while he's investigating, he comes across this figure that people are saying is Batman. Uh, He attempts, uh, it's kind of a chase scene. He attempts to catch whoever this is. Mm -hmm. He can't do it. Mm. So he ends up, he nearly dies. He's saved by Batman. Mm. Um, Batman takes him, you know, lets him know, hey, you know, I got to figure this out. I got to figure out what's going on. Um, They decide to work together to try to figure this out. You know, Blake's going to be the eyes out there in the city while Batman is in the dark in the shadows figuring this out. So this leads to uh, Blackgate Prison. And we see Lau from the Dark Knight. Oh. Serving time at Blackgate. (laughs) Love it. The hooded figure arrives kills Lau. Batman arrives at Blackgate, uh, chases down this figure, 
and it's a big chase scene. Like imagine like just chaos at Blackgate. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know this this figure maybe let some inmates out to try to you know preoccupy Batman so they can escape. Um, <laughs> you know what comes to mind? That, what's that? That cover of Volume One of Scott Snyder where Batman's just going to town on all his all all his yes. gallery. Yeah, that's slick. That's okay. kind of that's kind of what I'm picturing is that he he gets there because he he's starting to put things together again a lot of this is stuff that i just can't fill in with the kind of time frame that we've got i mean I, obviously i could go deeper and deeper and make this like a full-fledged story i'm just trying to get the bullet points out of the way right so um as he's pursuing this character they finally confront one another on the roof of blackgate and batman is like you know who are you why are you doing this Hooded figure turns and goes, I'm the ghost from your past. I am the phantasm. I had a feeling you were going down that route, but I didn't <laughs> want to say anything. That's slick. I like that. Okay. Okay. As uh, So they get into a big fight. Police show up, very similar to Mask of the Phantasm. Mm -hmm. They go after Batman because they think that he is in cahoots with this character. And obviously after so, the Dark Knight, he's obviously labeled a killer as it is anyway. So yes, this tracks. Yep. So they're going after Batman. Phantasm escapes. However, while Phantasm is escaping, and you know, all the imagine, you know, tons of police are here trying to catch Batman, trying to figure out what's going on, trying to get Blackgate under control. Amidst all the chaos, Phantasm kills Ramirez. Oh. Damn. Crap yeah. is pulling no punches with the deaths here. <laughs> Holy shit. Yep. Uh, so Ramirez is murdered um, by the Phantasm. Mm -hmm. Batman is just losing grip. You know, he's a fugitive. No one trusts him. The only person he can rely on is John Blake. So long story short, again, this is just me bullet pointing stuff. Him and Blake work together. They investigate. They start looking into things more. They start to realize a lot of this is connected. Maroney, Lau ramirez who could this all tie to the joker mm -hmm. they go blake and batman go to arkham right they they confront the joker who is the only remaining inmate in arkham because remember they mentioned that in the uh dark knight novel or the dark knight rises novel yes how they said that everybody was moved to blackgate except for one inmate the joker they arrive, they confront Joker, and Joker basically tells Batman that uh, his goal was to get Batman to come to him, but, you know, John Blake's here, he's been a pain in his side, he'll take him out too, why not? That's how That's how Joker do. <laughs> um, Especially Ledger Joker yeah. explains to them that all of this, once again, as always, was part of his plan. He has been stewing on this. He's been constructing this for the last five years after the events of the Dark Knight. Batman, of course, angrily confronts him. Who is this? You know, why is this person working for you? Mm -hmm. Joker says, you can't escape your past and you can't escape the people that you've hurt through all of your masquerading as a hero. Uh, turns out, Phantasm appears reveals herself to be Rachel Dawes. Oh, 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 
Oh, my heart strings. Oh, did not die in the explosion. Joker reveals that before he went to that tower to do the final game that he played, he had some goons go over and recover the body. Turns out Rachel didn't die. She was still alive. Joker, being the Joker, kept her alive, corrupted her for five years, Mm. torturing this woman, Mm. corrupting her, and forcing her to come to the realization that all of this was Batman's doing. All of this was the people that led, you know, why do you think you're here now? Why are you scarred? Why are you near death? Why is your, who was going to be your husband, why is he dead? It's all Batman's fault. It's all Gotham's fault. Holy shit. Wow. So it ends up being a confrontation between Batman, John Blake, Joker, and Phantasm. They battle it out. Eventually, again, this, uh, again, is a lot of me just kind of summarizing things. Explosives go off in Blackgate. Joker's plan is obviously to kill everybody. Batman's able to come through to Rachel, just like he was able to come through to Andrea in Mask of the Phantasm. Mm -hmm. She realizes that she's become everything that she's hated, that she didn't want to become this. She grabs Joker, tells Bruce and Blake to get out of there. And similar to Mask of the Phantasm, as Blackgate is just being destroyed, she grabs Joker, stares at Bruce. Joker does his epic laugh. Smoke covers them. Explosion happens. Who knows if they lived or died. Bruce obviously has now lost Rachel again, but now he's gained a new ward. Hence... Batman and Robin have now formed and we go into whatever what's going to happen from there. We now have an official Batman and Robin in the Nolan verse. I might shed a tear. That is beautiful. Seriously. (laughs) seriously, Like that's when you said phantasm, I was like, well, it's not going to be Andrea Beaumont, but then the whole deal with Rachel, man, that brilliant. Yep. Bravo. (laughs) Bravo. Everyone, everyone give, give Craig a round of applause. That is brilliant. Oh, man, I, I love that. I love that you took Fan- Mask of the Phantasm. I like that we both took yeah. Nolan's World and then took some animated series influence and just weaved it in as best as we could. And, man, that that is sick. Oh, yeah. I love I just love I love that pitch. That is beautiful, my friend. Well done. Well done. I love that. Love that. You want to know something really funny? What's that? My third pitch has the Joker in it as well. <laughs> Of course it does. I mean, honestly, uh, my I have one more left that has Joker in it. As do I. There As do I. So that was man, man, the ghost, the ghost of the Dark Knight. That is a yep. nice title. I, I like. Originally, that. I I had some other titles, but it, I felt like it would just the first one obviously would just give too much away. Originally, I was going to call it Batman: Curse of the Phantasm could see that working but again i was like man i feel like if i threw anything phantasm in there it would just automatically give it away yeah oh oh yeah but so i knew i I knew i had to come up with something to hide that i think in in a sense it gives away that phantasm would be the main antagonist but Mm -hmm. who the phantasm is yeah that is the interesting aspect of it i think now mine 
My number three is completely on the other end of the spectrum. It is <laughs> by far probably the most comic book of them all, if I'm being brutally honest. And I'll mine... be curious to see how this one compares to the one that I've got planned. Oh, man. this Okay, so my number three. You ready for this? Yep, go for it. Batman, Spider-Man, Web of Shadows. Oh, okay then. Oh, we going into the crazy territory oh, here. Oh, I am going full on. If I could get everyone on board with this, if I could get Disney, Sony, and Warner Brothers on board with this, I would. Okay? And Web of Shadows is a, is a tentative title, because obviously Spider-Man Web of Shadows is a video game. The video game, yeah, yeah. Right. But I, I felt like the, the title fits the characters. Yeah, you know? sure. So... Here's how my my third pitch starts. Batman, Spider-Man, Web of Shadows. In a strange turn of events, Madam Web has seen that Carnage has managed to take across an ancient spider totem that allows him to traverse the multiverse as he seeks to find the most psychotic individual to bond with. Oh, I already know where this is going. Oh, this is very much inspired by the Batman Spider-Man comic. Best you believe, mm -hmm. my friend. This leads him to Gotham City to seek out the Joker. Joker. Oh, boy. So, Madam Web pulls Peter Parker out of the Marvel Universe. I haven't quite figured out if I if it should be Tom Holland or if I want to use, like, an amalgam of, like, you know, maybe Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man in a different Marvel Universe. I don't know. But regardless, Madam Web pulls Peter Parker out of the Marvel Universe on a quest to bring Carnage back and the Totem. Carnage meets Joker, because Carnage obviously had a head start. And they agree yeah. to work together to wreak havoc across all the whole city. All the while carnage plots to bond with the joker spider-man meets batman on a roof and after a brief exchange not sure if it would be a fight or not but maybe batman is well aware that spider-man is not from his universe and decides to forge an alliance gordon flicks on the signal and batman and spider-man race to the top of gcpd obviously batman's flying through it with his grapple gun and spider-man's web zipping zapping all around gotham right just to see that image alone on the big screen would just I would probably shed a tear. <laughs> right, right, right. So they're informed of the Joker robbing Gotham Central Bank with a red monster-like creature slaughtering people left and right. Yet, I'm almost tempted to make this rated R. <laughs> I mean, you almost kind of have to if you're right. getting Carnage involved. Right. So once Batman and Spider-Man arrive, Carnage bonds with the Joker. Of course he does. <laughs> cre creating Chaos Carnage. And after a very bloody brawl, Carnage is then ripped from the Joker, whom actually thanks the two heroes for ripping the symbiote off of him, as he thinks even that thing is too unhinged, even for him. <laughs> Spider-Man gets the totem, Carnage, and embarks back to his world. Meanwhile, Batman takes Joker back to Arkham, makes sure all traces of Carnage are gone from his world. The entire story is then revealed to be told from Bruce's perspective over a cup of coffee with Superman, who then replies, And you didn't even bother to call me Tisk Tisk, Bruce. <laughs> And then Batman goes, oh, don't worry. I'm sure we'll meet again someday, referring to Spider-Man, hopefully under better circumstances. Now, credits roll. And then there's a post-credit scene. Shock, shock, surprise, surprise. So this post-credit scene involves the Anti-Monitor and the Living Tribunal forging a deal to take their most elite heroes from each world to battle to the death. Oh, yeah, I see where you're going. Yeah. <laughs> More or less, it would be like Crisis on Infinite Earths meets Secret Wars, kind of, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Like, that, that's kind of the deal where I where I kind of took it with. But, yeah, more or less, like, I, I would just be absolutely overjoyed if I got to do Spider-Man and Batman in, in the same movie. Yeah, that's great. Chaos carnage. <laughs> right? 
a, a carnage with the Joker. Whew. And like I said, very much, very much, ins- more or less inspired by Batman Spider-Man. Uh, I, I've read the cliff notes of it. I still need to own that book. But yeah, I, I'm familiar with the book itself. Yeah, that's crazy. Right? Wild. <laughs> I think I think if I had a tagline, it would be wild, dark, spectacular, amazing, brooding. Like, uh, you know, you throw, you throw out all the words that are associated with Batman and Spider-Man. Yeah. Just just for pure marketing purposes. That's nuts. So I mean again, just that image alone to to imagine Batman and Spider-Man weaving their way through a city would just be insane. Right? Like just could you imagine just like Batman and Spider-Man just zipping through the city like in a autograph gun and through the web just man, I would just be over the moon to see that in live action. <laughs> Will it actually happen? I doubt it. I <laughs> doubt it. Yeah. The, the licensing issues alone would just be... Oh. Oof. There's no doubt in my mind that Avi Rod would be like, no! Spider-Man and Batman, <laughs> you're insane! <laughs> but thankfully he's not in head of that. That'd probably be something I'd have to talk to. If I had to guess, if, if I were to do that now, I'd have to have a conversation with James Gunn, Amy Pascal... And Kevin <laughs> just for all three of them to sign off on this that would be just hurdle upon hurdle upon hurdle yeah okay so our number threes were Batman Spider-Man Web of Shadows and the Ghost of the Dark Knight uh, Craig what is your number two alright number two so similar to yours so my first one obviously very dark very Nolan-esque this one similar to yours complete opposite we're going all the way to the other side. Goofy nonsense. Okay. Craziness. Um, Melissa and Gerard, if you're listening, here it is. Batman versus Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I had a feeling you were going to use this one, man. <laughs> I had a feeling. But it's set in the 89 Burton verse. Yes. So, the way this one works, uh, the Killer Clowns arrive in Gotham City uh, because while they were you know, just flying around space, checking things out. They happen to notice this big giant parade going on in this city called Mm -hmm. Gotham city. Mm -hmm. And they see this figure, this clown leading this giant parade where money's getting flown all around and, you know, Prince is being played and all kinds of stuff. Um, So the clowns take a look at this guy and they're like, huh, that seems interesting. So the clowns land in Gotham City. This is after... So we're getting to the point where it's after 89 has pretty much ended. Mm -hmm. The clowns find Joker's corpse, take it back to their big top spaceship. They see Joker as kind of almost like a god to them. Mm -hmm. This clown of chaos. Right. So they use their cotton candy blood. Again, this is all just goofy 80s nonsense. They use their cotton candy blood to revive the Joker. Oh, okay. So he is now the leader of the Killer Clowns. Oh. So he decides, you know what? I played around at first. Now it's time to get real nuts. He just sends the clowns into Gotham City to massacre the, the city. Mm. While all this chaos is going on, the clowns here at a carnival there's a circus going on in gotham city Mm -hmm. the clowns obviously would be attracted to that right they get there 
They start massacring everybody. They end up killing a family of circus performers. Oh, but, no, but no. There's a, sing- there's a single survivor of those circus performers. A young man, played by Marlon Wayans, named Dick Grayson. Hmm. He is saved by Batman. And he and Batman team up. They decide that, you know, we got to take this out. I mean, Batman obviously can't do this alone. This army of killer clowns that's going around wrapping people in cotton candy cocoons. So from here on out, it's just action nonsense. You know, Batman and this and Robin teaming up to fight the killer clowns, including, and I put it in here, a uh, car chase, car battle, really, between the Batmobile and and a killer clown riding an invisible car like in the killer clown movie. Holy shit. <laughs> Eventually this leads to them taking the Batwing and again this is again, you know, the Batwing got messed up in the battle with Joker, but hey, we're just going to say here the Batwing is in working condition. Uh Batman and Robin take the Batwing to the big top spaceship. Robin gets to confront the clown that killed his family while Batman goes off to face the Joker, Mm. who has steadily throughout the film been shown because he has the killer clown blood flowing through him, he's been slowly mutating. So there's a final confrontation between Batman and Joker. Kind of is a little one-sided at first, very similar to their fight in 89. Yeah. But Batman's noticing that his punches don't seem to have as much effect as they used to. He's noticing the Joker's able to handle it a little more, but he's also noticing the Joker is kind of looking a little different, kind of mutating, kind of getting a little bigger. Eventually, this leads to Joker mutating into a Joker-Clownzilla hybrid. Oh, Jesus. Which we call Jokerzilla. <laughs> and it's a giant mutated Joker stomping through Gotham City. And eventually, it ends with Batman and Robin getting in the Batwing and defeating Jokerzilla by popping his giant nose, just like in those films. <laughs> big top, big top explodes. Joker explodes. End of the film. <laughs> you know what's really funny about that? Hmm. There is a cut storyboard sequence of Robin helping out batman in a, in a chase against the joker because the in, in a scrap storyboard in a scrap in a scrap version of that script joker actually does manage to take out the grayson family and you actually see uh robin on top of the joker van oh really yeah so it, oh that's I, cool I, I found that very endearing that you would include not only that marlon wayne that's a real deep pull for anyone who, who knows mm-hmm. the, the behind the scenes stuff of batman and batman returns also um I also really love that the 89 universe is getting, like, its own little continuation in comics because we had the Batman yeah. 89 comic. They introduced the the Robin there. I think his name was Drake. I think the last name was Drake. I don't remember the, the young man's first name. But Joe Quinones, who's doing the art, they're doing another book. The Sam yeah. Ham, Batman 89 Echoes with Harley Quinn and Scarecrow, which is very much the scrapped fifth film that would have been tentatively titled either Batman Unchained or Batman Triumphant. I don't remember what. Yeah. But this will include Batman facing off against the Scarecrow and, of course, Harley Quinn, who looks very much inspired by Jack's Joker. 
yeah, so, yeah very I, much. I love i just love the the 80 nostalgia and the killer crowns joker zilla <laughs> so good <laughs> oh that's brilliant oh man that is that is top that is top tier class right there my friend i love that my number two is a little bit more it's comic book but it's also very much batman it's a little grounded but you could really take it or leave it in certain respects it's a little bit inspired by war games but it's not called war games my number two is called batman mercenary games Mm, okay so i kind of bullet pointed this one with a little bit of paragraphical stuff going on too so all the major crime lords in gotham are gearing up to go to war with one another and to prevent batman from stopping them each major crime lord has hired an assassin it's basically war games meets batman arkham origins kind of Mm, okay Yeah, yeah yeah okay so it kind of goes in sequential order the first big bad the very first crime lord is black mask who hires deadshot and he turns Gotham into his own personal playground of a game of cat and mouse to get the one up on Batman. And you can imagine that there's some, you know, ducking and shading from behind giant buildings, and then Batman has to obviously find a way to zero in on Deadshot and stop him, right? Yeah. And he does. And it's kind of like a gauntlet, kind of like a, um, you know, a trial that he has to go through. Each, each assassin he has to deal with gets increasingly more difficult. So the next one up, would be none other than Two-Face, who hires Cheshire, the daughter of Sportsmaster, trained by Lady Shiva, and slowly follows Batman's footsteps after his encounter with Deadshot, if not outright following him the entire time he's facing off against Deadshot, which then leads Mm. to a brawl on top of GCPD. So then, after Two-Face fails, Sophia Falcone, who is the head of the Falcone crime family, takes on takes it upon herself to bring in cheshire's mentor lady shiva who also Oof. mentored bruce once upon a time to take the bat's head their yeah. final fight is across the bat cave lady shiva knows exactly who he is while the fight ends in a very close stalemate shiva realizes batman is only doing what is necessary and comments that his compassion will be his downfall but also recognizes that the crime on war is pitiful and only took on the job as nothing more than a training exercise mm. yep so by this point, Batman's like, just like, damn, he's withered. He's nearly, like, done, right? They've been pushed so, to his limit. Yep. So then, in light of the last three assassins failing, there's only one last boss to apprehend, and that is none other than right. Oswald Cobblepot the Penguin. He's the only one left, and he's going to seize the opportunity to be the leader of Gotham City. And by doing so, to ensure his victory, he hires Deathstroke to take out Batman. I, I all. knew it was going to be Deathstroke. I knew it. Penguin, <laughs> the final Penguin's yep. the only one who can afford Deathstroke. Yep. He's literally the <laughs> only one who can do it, right? Yeah. So, so their fight begins with a car chase that eventually folds in a crime alley where it seems Deathstroke may get the upper hand, but Bruce sees Monarch Theater and is reminded of his mission. In a last burst of energy, Batman topples Deathstroke, brings him and Cobblepot into Blackgate, ending the game war once and for all. Credits roll. No post credits, no nothing. This is just a straight up Batman one off, yeah, yeah, like straight up Batman doing his thing. Like in my mind, this is like a prime, like Batman in his prime, doing just the absolute best he can. Yeah, damn, that'd be crazy, right? And I feel it like would the... just be it'd be nonstop. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it, to me, it's very much inspired by John Wick. Yeah. Like, that that was kind of the inspiration I took for it, for this story, because obviously, you know, John Wick, no matter what one you're watching, it's it's just a gauntlet of assassins left and right, one after the next. Yeah. I mean, really, the first one is the only one where he's not up against just 
assassin after assassin after assassin. Right, right. But yeah, like, and I titled it Mercenary Games because obviously these are all, like, mercenary hitmen, you know, assassins more or less. And I didn't want to use, like, assassins games. I didn't want to use war games. I really wanted to, like, give it a distinct title because it's a very distinct story that caters to, to Batman's strengths as a, as a physical fighter. Because obviously the only time we've ever seen Batman be superbly physical in a, in a brawl is the warehouse sequence in Batman vs. Superman and then, of course, in Zack Snyder's yeah. Justice League. Yeah. But if you want... Yeah, really, to... other, really other than that, it's been a lot of, you know, like, there's he's had fights, but nothing to the degree that, like, what your story would be showing us. Right, and the idea is, like, I, I really want to see, like, a, a raid or, like, John Wick-inspired Batman film where he's just going toe-to-toe with some of the most lethal people in dc yeah that'd be nuts right right all right so we got batman mercenary games batman killer clowns for our number two we have reached number one i'm very 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 excited to see what craig has made for his number one so why don't you go ahead and shout it off my friend all right so this one is also this would be a one-off this wouldn't be uh this isn't a continuation of any storylines nothing like that this is a entirely its own thing. So the title of this one is Batman Fear Itself. Ooh. Okay. So in this this is kind of a kind of similar, I guess you would say in the sense of the Batman in the sense that this is Batman, he's been Batman for a little while. Not mm-hmm. like too long, but he's been at it for a bit. So there's already He's already faced some villains. He's already had some established storylines. So like year five, um, like year five ish. Yeah, I would say like five, six. You know, in his first form, in his formative years. Okay. Not okay. quite the rookie, but not quite the Dark Knight. You know. Um. So for this, and I was racking my brain about like who I would want in this film as Batman, and I started just looking through actors, and then I came across the story of the people who auditioned for the role of the Batman and for this storyline and for the characters that I have set up in this, I think this would be a good match. So who I would have as Bruce slash Batman in this story would be uh, Nicholas Holt. Ah, okay. So he would be Bruce slash Batman because mm-hmm. I feel like he's young enough to be kind of a, a Batman that's learning, but he's also tenured enough that he could handle, you know, whatever it is that's going to be involved in this story so like kind of like batman and dark victory yes yeah exactly okay okay. so in this film batman's been working solo for a few years because in this storyline he's already suffered the loss of jason todd um he's also gone through what he went through with um dick grayson so dick grayson is off he's he's gone he left abandoned batman they Nightwing butted their heads. Yeah. Yep. So he's off doing his thing. Batman had Jason Todd. He lost Jason Todd. Um, so this is going to start out with Batman being attacked. Uh, oddly enough, uh, compared to what you were talking about, he's attacked by an assassin. Uh, this assassin is Deathstroke. They have a huge battle. Um, basically, I wrote in here. It's the Arkham Origins battle come to life. Okay. So he's pushed to his physical limit. He defeats Deathstroke, but he's already just... I mean, he's hes never encountered something like this yet. Um, 
while he was battling Deathstroke, reports are coming in throughout Gotham City of citizens going into a frenzy. Mm-hmm. There are reports all throughout the city. There's a grocery store that broke out into chaos. There are citizens attacking one another in the streets. A hospital has become basically an insane asylum where people are just going crazy and attacking one another. While this is going on, since Bruce was handling his stuff going on with Deathstroke, Alfred went in his stead, as he often does. Alfred went and attended a gala Mm -hmm. Uh, in Bruce's place because he's too hurt. You know, he's dealing with his Deathstroke stuff. Right. The gala is gassed by a hooded figure. Alfred sees the chaos that is going on and he tries his best to stay away from it, but he's eventually attacked by this hooded figure who injects him with something that causes him to Alfred to go crazy. Hmm. Um, Bruce ends up as Batman arrives at the gala, he's able to get Alfred out of there. But Alfred is just in a hysteria. He, uh, Batman tests Alfred's blood, finds out that he's got a toxin in him that is causing him to have this hysteria. Uh, Bruce decides he needs help, so he goes to Lucius Fox mm-hmm. uh, to help him come up with an antidote for the fear toxin. While he's doing that, a young woman is taking a tour of Wayne tech, trying to decide if she wants to invest in Wayne tech and what they're developing. Mm-hmm. Um, she meets, she happens to come across Bruce and Lucius introductions are made. They shake hands and she says, you know, it's very great to meet you, Bruce Wayne. And Wayne goes, yeah. And you are, and she goes, Oh, my name's uh Kate Kane. <laughs> and he goes, very great to meet you, Kate. And she goes off. Um, this, Hooded figure reveals himself via televisions across Gotham. His name is the Scarecrow, and his goal is to create a city of fear. He attacked the wealthy first, but now he's going after the city because Gotham needs to suffer. He will only be satisfied, not if Batman reveals himself, but if Batman dies. His goal, he wants Batman out of the picture. Um... So, again, through investigations as the film progresses, Batman figures out Scarecrow is Jonathan Crane, a uh, a, um, psychiatrist from Arkham Asylum Psychiatric Ward. Mm -hmm. And it's revealed that Jonathan Crane is, and again, this is just me playing with roles and stuff, is played by Bill Skarsgård. Yeah, that tracks. Um, He ends up confronting um, Jonathan Crane, who causes a jailbreak at Arkham Asylum, which leads to Batman battling multiple villains that are trying to escape uh, Arkham. During this confrontation, Batman is attacked by Poison Ivy. Ivy uses Scarecrow's fear toxin on Batman. He happens to escape into the sewers, but not before being attacked by another Arkham escapee in the sewers. He's attacked by Killer Croc. He survives, but Batman has been pushed to his brink. Uh, He's broken, he's bloody, he's tired, he's been emotionally and mentally just wrapped after all of this. Uh, Scarecrow makes another announcement, tells Batman to meet him at a, uh, you know, I basically put a tower, you know, just meet him at a place so that they can end this. And he demands that Batman arrives or else he'll 
send more fear toxin out into Gotham City. Uh, when Batman arrives, again, very tired, very broke. I mean, his suit, just imagine his suit is like, it looks like the suit at the end of like the Arkham games, just banged up. Batman's basically on his last whims. Uh, Scarecrow, Killer Croc, and Poison Ivy are all there waiting for Batman. Uh, Scarecrow declares victory against him. He says that he's broken the bat physically, mentally, and emotionally. He says the end of the Batman is here. And Batman admits to him that, yeah, he's had many failures throughout his, his time. But his family has always been there to pick him back up. Nightwing and Batwoman arrive. A battle ensues between Batman, Nightwing, and Batwoman, and Scarecrow, Killer Croc, and Poison Ivy. Eventually, the villain the villains are defeated, and Batman looks out into the city as he now has a new family to take on the horrors of Gotham. So it's like Arkham Origins, Arkham Knight, with a little bit of fear state. I don't know if you know about that story, but Scarecrow yep. sends gotham into a straight fear frenzy and fear state hence yep. the name but yeah that's interesting very very interesting i quite dig that quite a bit yeah especially considering it's like a, it's a it's a batman who's not quite at his prime but also not quite you know getting his boots wet yeah the way i kind of approach this is a bat you know again he's gone through his stuff with dick grayson he's gone through his stuff with jason todd he's seen some stuff but he's still not quite at that like prime batman yet. yeah but he's still he doesn't trust himself enough at at least at, at the beginning of the story to get other people involved but as the story goes on and as he is continuously beaten and broken down he realizes he needs help and that's where kate kane comes in and that's where he ends up getting in contact with nightwing to have nightwing come in and help him as well hmm. interesting I'm part pretty partial to Scarecrow. I do like it when he uses when he's used in a, in any story. Like you know, he always makes for a really great psychological and even sometimes physical threat for Batman. So, yeah, very nice, very nice. I dig it. I dig. I like it. I like it a lot. You Dumb and Dumber fans out there. <laughs> well, okay. So Craig's number one is Batman Fear itself. My last one, my number one is quite the doozy and it's quite the doozy in the same sense that if i could have in a perfect world get this to happen doubt it but if i ever did this this is what i would do and it's it's it's, in, it's almost in a similar ballpark that getting nolan back to do batman beyond but my number one the title of my move my batman movie pitch my number one pitch is called the last nights on earth Ooh, okay so it's paragraphical but to read it off this is essentially the pitch that i have batmen so we have ben affleck robert pattinson and george clooney oh you got you got all the crew coming together oh yeah and they traverse a broken desolate world a literal nightmare come to life and it's you come to find out yes this is an earth but it's also more or less like not necessarily the end of time but it's where things in the multiverse just get dumped right like they just get, this is where things that are no longer regarded just get dumped to the end of time end of world the, the void if, if you will it's a desert wasteland <clears throat> ben affleck's batman wakes up in the ark in our inside arkham asylum he's greeted by alfred i'm not really sure if i'd get 
Um, either, uh, damn it, who, who was the last Alfred? Uh, Andy Serkis, if it was either Andy Serkis or Jeremy Irons, I'm not really sure. I'd probably lean a little bit more towards Jeremy Irons. As yeah, well, I was going to say, I'd lean towards Jeremy Irons, too. <laughs> he, he meets Jeremy Irons, Alfred. Let's just go with Jeremy Irons. As well as Clooney's Batman, who I would nickname the Cynic. <laughs> for obvious reasons, right? Yeah. <laughs> so together, they fight through hordes of inmates in Arkham. Like, I'm, I'm talking the, the literal gauntlet of them all. You've got Riddler. You've got Killer Croc. You've got Penguin. You've got Scarecrow. You've got, like, think of Batman's rogues gallery, right? Like, and they're all just free to roam, and they've just been let loose. Okay. So when they finally reach the surface, they are met by another Batman, Pattinson, whom is nicknamed the mechanic mm, okay because yeah. obviously because obviously you know he builds his own stuff yeah he, he built his, his car from scratch if anyone's who's read the the prequel novel to the batman yeah i mean he's got a beast of a batmobile so oh, oh you ready for this the three together the three batman fix up a tank-like batmobile the dark knight returns inspired Batmobile. Nice. yeah oh, yeah oh yeah and after that the mechanic informs them of the leader of this world the Omega Bat. Now, my story is very much inspired by, you know, the likes of Loki, the likes of Indu and Across the Spider-Verse, and also, like, you know, Spider-Man No Way Home, and very, like, that multiversal type of storytelling. So, yeah, this to me is, like, if I had to do a Batman multiverse story, this is what I'd, this is essentially what I've come up with. So, after the mechanic informs them that the Omega Bat is the pretty much dominant presence in this world... He is guarded at the center of what was Gotham City, a heavily fortified Wayne Tower, guarded by an elite squadron of undead Robins, headed by the Batman Who Laughs, played no. by... You ready for this? Played by Christian Bale. Oh, that's nuts. Because, you know, psycho. He's, yeah. He's got that wicked grin, and I could absolutely see him being the Batman Who Laughs. Absolutely. So while... The mechanic and the cynic stall the Batman who laughs. Ben Affleck's Batman ascends this tower and comes face to face with the Omega Bat, Oof. who is revealed to be none other than Michael Keaton's Batman. Oh. <laughs> who has usurped power of the anti-life equation from none other than Darkseid and has taken this world as his own. Oh, jeez. In a final battle atop the tower, Batfleck conquers the Omega Bat, sits on the Mobius chair, and becomes Bat-God. <laughs> now the ending of this is pretty comic book i'm not gonna lie to you because in order basically he comes to the conclusion that okay i we can't live like this like all three of us you know the cynic the mechanic me like we we just can't so i'm gonna take it upon myself and powered by the cosmic treadmill along with the flash bat god rewrites all of the continuity he basically rewrites the timeline so each separate Batman can flourish in their respective corner of the multiverse and Omega Bat never comes to an existence. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's cool. However, since the dark multiverse is a thing, mm -hmm. the Batman who laughs is an inevitable creation. Yep. So there would be a little bit of a post-credits post little nod there with the Batman who laughs and the other Dark Knights of mm -hmm. the Uh huh. Leading into the metal. Yes. That's exactly. <laughs> right? I mean, we talked about that in the last episode, how nuts a animated Dark Knight's metal would be. But goddamn, a live action Dark Knight's metal? 
not only that, but just like a live action last night's if if in a perfect world if i could get every batman actor who's played batman that is still alive at this point to play the roles that i have written here it would just be yeah. a damn dream come true Whew, man that's crazy it's i like that a lot it's a doozy right yeah just imagine the, that keaton is the omega bat <laughs> exactly that's nuts. exactly but yeah i've been toying around with that one for a long time but after i read the last night on earth by scott snyder i was like this would make such a bitchin batman movie yeah that's crazy i like that i honestly you know i love all of our pitches man i think they're yeah there's some fun fun stuff in here that i think yeah on the event things happen maybe they could maybe they couldn't like most of them I think if we had to really like vote on which ones could be the most realistic to happen for me, for mine, I would probably say mercenary games. And for you, in my opinion, the one that I think would be most plausible would be fear itself. Yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking too. Cause I like as much as I'd love for like your Batman beyond or like my phantasm movie to happen. It's just the idea. I mean, who knows? Will Nolan ever do another Batman film? Yeah, I'm going to lean more towards no than anything. But man, would it be a trip if he did come back? Considering he was asked outright during the promotion for Oppenheimer, would you do another superhero movie? He was just flat out like, said no. no. He flat yeah. out said no. I was like, okay, that, that's the nail in the coffin right there. Yeah. Like, it would take, it would take such a great deal of convincing to get that man back in the director's chair to do another Batman movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those are our pitches. I hope anyone Woo. listening enjoyed themselves. And if you have a pitch, by all means, send it to us. We'll read it on the show. Send it in an email form. That'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. Now, speaking Ooh, of... That was a lot of fun. Oh, man. So much fun. I have no idea what the hell we're going to do next, but we're going yeah. around with some ideas. We're obviously in the spooky season, so maybe we might do something spooky related. Not quite sure. But, um, yeah, I, I really... Man, I really had a lot of fun doing this episode. I don't know if we could probably ever do anything like this again, but yeah, <laughs> I'm honestly not sure if I could come up with more <laughs> shit. Yeah, that was my thing. Is like, like I told you, like the Killer Clown one, I pretty much already had because of the that special episode that we did of uh, Nerds Nighted with Jeremy um, and Melissa. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of had that to just fall upon. The Nolan one was probably the one that I just like, I messed around with the most because I was like, man, I want to integrate the Phantasm in here, but how do I do that? Mm -hmm. And like you said, like who would be the Phantasm? I'm like, uh, I got I got a twist for you. Yeah. And then, yeah, the fear itself was the one that I had like the most, it took the most time for me to kind of start getting things solidified on it because I'm just like, man, I'm pretty much just coming up with this world like, on the fly yeah because it is going to be a one-off storyline i think the one i probably had the most difficulty coming up with was the third one batman spider-man yeah and oh I, yeah well, yeah and it came to me because i was like well what what do i want to see like what what would be the most outlandish craziest thing that could never happen but if you had the opportunity to make it happen and then i was like wait a minute i want to see batman and spider-man in a movie together yeah well I will say that, that, that this has been an excellent episode. And again, you know, yeah. if anyone wants to, you know, drop us an email, eternallightpod at gmail.com. 
or if you can write us a review, that'd be fantastic. And speaking of which, I actually took a look at reviews on iTunes, and I actually saw one that I'm kind of kicking myself in the ass for that I didn't see in sooner. But we do have a third five star review on iTunes uh, from Phil. Oh, Cat- really? Yeah, from Phil Cast Movies. He said, "Glad I discovered this podcast. From one Batman to another, a job well done." So thank you. I'm pretty sure that would be Phil Walsh from the. Um, again, he's got his own. Phil at the movie show as well. He's also uh, one of the chairs on DC Unlimited, which I was on one of their shows to review The Flash for. So again, buddy, thank you again for dropping us a review. We really appreciate it. Helps the show get noticed. So uh, yeah. By any means, anyone wants to drop a review, feel free to either on iTunes or whatever your podcast catcher of choice is. We greatly appreciate it. As we always say, the keeps the blood flowing gets the show noticed we again we just really appreciate anyone who takes the time out of out of their day to review or listen to the show honestly yeah thank you so much very much appreciated now any final words before we turn the lights off in the cave for the night my man uh no just you know everyone be good to one another you know this still this this year has been wacky man this this year (laughs) i thought you know, we all thought the pandemic times were were crazy, but I feel like this year in terms of like the economy and just everything that's going on right now, it's all up and downs and just we got to be good to one another. Not only gotta that. Treat each other with respect and just got to remember this is all this is all comic book stuff. This is all for fun. This is all fun. There's no year. reason to turn toxic about it. Not only that, like Hollywood's been striking for the last four or five months, too. So that, yeah, that hasn't exactly been fun. Yeah. But yeah, you know, as we always like to say, our tagline for the show, uh, keep it classy in the cave, everybody. Again, you know, feel free to follow me on all the socials, uh, just at unfiltered, Vero Instagram threads, X, whatever your preference is. And uh, Craig, you've got some drops too, Mr. Craigie Omega. Yeah. Uh, Instagram. Uh, Instagram just for now. Um, I remember I, I deleted my Vero because I was going to redo it with the correct Craigie Omega handle. Just haven't got around to it, and I stay far away from X. I don't. Even back when it was Twitter, I dealt. I dipped my toe in Twitter back in the day. I quickly took that toe right out and never went back into the pool. So, oh, sadly. yeah, it's just just Instagram for me, Craigie Omega, C R A I G G Y O M E G A underscore Omega, but yes, underscore yes. And uh, you know, the only reason I have the Twitter X, whatever the hell you want to call it, literally. For this show and of course like you know some people reach out to me and of course you know you can always catch me there you can catch me on the four nerds uh we're actually we changed the day to wednesday now because everyone's schedule got super wacky on thursday so now we're doing our show on wednesday we had a show yesterday we talked about ahsoka we talked about james gunn and dc continuity as we did earlier in this show and i think we also talked about rebel moon finally getting an mpa rating so yeah a lot a lot of oh we got a, it got a rating yeah it's uh so obviously um I think Snyder mentioned that there's going to be two different cuts, both set, both parts, uh, PG-13, and then the rated R cut, which is the more fleshed out, unhit, unchained, as mm. Snyder tends to, which is obviously within his right to do so. So yeah, that, yeah, the MP- MPAA officially rated at PG-13. Okay, but man, I'm I'm really excited for that. But it definitely leans more into the R side of things because they did cite um, nudity. Uh, obviously language and um graphic violence and and the one people are really having a bitch fit about sexual assault and it's like have you guys not seen 
Zack Snyder's films in which you know <laughs> a lot of the material he pulls from directly involves stuff like that. Like, yeah. And here's why Craig is smart for staying off Twitter because I got into a spat with some no-name Avatar dumbass who's like, <laughs> "Man, Zack Snyder fetishes that shit," and it's like, get the hell out of Dodge, dude. Don't even try it. I'm I'm not the one. You know, mute block, move on. That's the best way to traverse Twitter yep. X, if you ask me. But yeah, that, that I believe is where we are going to put a pin in it and shut the lights off. Uh, as we always like to say, everybody, keep it classy in the cave. Be good to each other. Have a great day or night, whatever your listening preference is. Take care. Take care. Hold it. Oh, wise up, Junior. Game's over. I'm taking you in. Right. You're out of your league, McGinnis. I know every trick the original Batman and Robin knew at their peak. Maybe, but you don't know a thing about me. Thank you for listening to the Eternal Night Podcast. This podcast is not affiliated with Warner Brothers Discovery or DC Studios. If you would like to follow along with the show, you can do so. At, just search for T-E-K underscore podcast on X, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to listen to the show, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. If you would like to leave us an email, feel free to do so. Eternalnightpod at gmail.com. Thank you for your time. <laughs>